Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Chris Norman. I'm uh, on the team here at Grace Gathering, and we want to welcome you to our service uh, this morning. Uh, just the engagement of worship was uh, very meaningful. Hopefully, it was meaningful to you. Hopefully, you had an opportunity there to engage with the living God through the, through the venue of, of music. Well, it is this time of year that we have a lot of graduations, a lot of graduation parties. Just by a show of hands, how many of you, maybe over the next couple of weeks, will either host or at least attend some type of graduation party? Just raise your hand over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, most of us. As, uh, as most of you know, when I graduated high school, I was uh, a, not a follower of, of Jesus. And so this time of year was was a time of many parties uh, that maybe weren't all that appropriate uh, for 18-year-olds, and I'm sure you know what I mean. In fact, uh, I had my own graduation party, and uh, the morning after my party, uh, I had a picture taken of me, uh, after, and this is the picture right here. <laughs> Now, I'm not, you know, completely, uh, I'm a little embarrassed, but um, I'm I'm not proud necessarily of that picture. Uh, But the reason I put that picture up, it's part of my story. And um, if you are offended that I would show that picture in church, listen to the message closely today, and then afterwards let me know if you're still offended. This was a, a party um, where I invited all the seniors of my graduating class, and I was very specific that for this party it was seniors only. However, there, there was a guy who was a, a junior uh, at our school, and he, was, he always tried to hang out with me and my friends. He was short, and you could say in a nice way, very stout. He had some challenges mentally. Most people made fun of him, called him unkind names, and pushed him away. His name was Terry, but everyone called him Snickers, and I'm sure you can guess why. Now, one of the things my mom taught me growing up is that you always look out for the underdog or or those that society cast aside. My mom was divorced, disabled, poor. And so there, there was a reason why she taught me always to look out for the underdog or those society would cast aside. And so I often tried to include Snickers when hanging out with my friends. And in fact, when I had my graduation party, I put a, a, a sign on the door uh, of my front door And it said this, seniors only, except for Snickers. It was really funny. Um, And that was literally what I put on my door. And and he was so excited. He told everybody in school, I'm going to Norman's party. (laughs) And I'm the only junior invited. Now, Snickers had a little too much to drink at my party. 
and uh, was getting a little too friendly with the girl, so I had to give him a little talking to. In fact, here's a picture of that scene. I was giving him a little talking to in my kitchen. I eventually had to kick Snickers out of my party later that evening, and he slept in my front yard. It was warm, so it was all right. But nonetheless, I'll never forget how honored he was that I included him. Now, of course, my life was, was not one that was following after God, and, and so the things I included him in on weren't good things, let's be clear. But that principle of looking out for the underdog, of being inclusive to those who others cast aside, is in fact a kingdom principle. And I was implementing that kingdom principle just obviously in the wrong context. But Jesus taught his disciples this important kingdom principle on a regular basis, going after the one everyone else leaves behind. Inviting them into your life when no one else does. And so today we start a, we start a new series, a three-part series called Leave No One Behind. The theme of this three-part series is that Jesus is always willing, Jesus is always willing to go to great lengths to pursue the last, the least, and the lost with the gospel. And he calls us to, to follow his example. He leaves no one behind, and neither should we. In fact, let me read a, a, a couple of examples of this in, in Luke chapter 18. The religious leaders, they wanted to leave children behind. And so Jesus said this, Luke 18, 15 and following, he says, people were, were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. The religious leaders wanted to leave those with physical disabilities behind. But notice Jesus' response. Verses 35 and following. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him. Leave him behind. And told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. The religious leaders wanted to leave those who had a lot of sin in their lives behind. Notice Jesus' response, Luke chapter 7. 
36 and following. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who had lived a, lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. She should be, she should be left behind. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have no, something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me my, any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil in my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, well, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see, the religious leaders of the day wanted to leave a lot of people behind. They had a tendency to push people out and push people down. And Jesus did the exact opposite. He welcomed people in and raised people up. In our day, it's no different. Society and even the church at times can have a tendency to push people out and push people down. Sometimes intentionally and sometimes unintentionally. Whether it's the poor, children, elderly, those with physical or mental disabilities, those who are racially different, those with unique gender issues, former criminals, addicts, and we could go on and on. Of course, if you're physically attractive or you're rich or you have power, society welcomes you in and raises you up. But if you don't have those things, you're pushed out and pushed down. But this is not how Jesus operated, and this is not what the kingdom of God values. And the church should be following Jesus' example and not the value system of the world. You've heard us make this statement many times, and it's worth saying more frequently that here at Grace Gathering, we're a church that welcomes people of all backgrounds, black, white, brown, married, single, divorced, gay, straight, rich, poor, young, old, addicts, recovering addicts, 
religious, not religious, and everything in between. You see, we all, every single person has brokenness and is in desperate need of God's grace. The church can have a tendency to push people out and push people down. Jesus welcomed people in and raised people up. Jesus left no one behind. And we don't want to leave anyone behind either. The foundation of this series over these next three weeks is found in Luke chapter 15, where Jesus tells three successive parables, all with the same thread of thought, the same common theme. The first parable called the lost sheep, the second parable called the lost coin, and the third called the lost son. And what Jesus is doing as he's tells these three stories and parables as he's teaching his disciples to do the opposite of what the culture does and what the religious leaders were doing, pushing people out and pushing people down, particularly the people in our society that are considered the least, the last, the lost. And instead, we should be welcoming people in and raising people up. And the way we do that is we intentionally seek them out and go after them. And this is the point Jesus is making in giving these three parables. And you do it one person at a time. Just one person at a time. And so we read in Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. He should be leaving them behind. Then Jesus told him this parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not repent. Who do not need to repent. And you can see the tension that Jesus is building. And he's doing this often, particularly with the religious leaders. And they're always feeling uncomfortable and always feeling like he's pushing the envelope. Some have called this section of the Gospel of Luke the Gospel to the Outcasts. We have a tendency to write people off to value them less, to exclude them more, to have a judgmental spirit. Whether we're talking about the poor or children 
or the elderly or those with physical or mental disabilities or those with racial differences or those with unique gender issues or former criminals or current addicts. And Jesus is giving this parable, this story to illustrate this kingdom principle, leaving no one behind. And he uses the illustration of sheep, which was common in that day, not all that common among uh, our context here uh, today. And so because it's not all that common for us to think about sheep and shepherds and so forth, it's helpful to understand a little bit of the context and what was going on there, which would have been very intuitive to his audience. A hundred sheep would have been the average size of a flock. It would have been customary uh, to take a count every evening in the open country to make sure you have all 100. And if there was one missing, finding that one that was somehow left behind or wandered off would have required the shepherd to leave the 99 and more than likely assign someone else to keep an eye on them while he hunted for the one left behind. That lone sheep likely frightened, confused, maybe injured. And therefore to bring back to the fold, the shepherd would need to carry the sheep on his shoulders back. It took a lot of effort to bring this lost sheep back into the fold. And the story Jesus tells is full of symbolism. How can we seek others around us and not leave anyone behind who may be open to God? And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to dive more into how we do this. And how we can be intentional with people around us. But the truth is, the truth I want us to be reminded of today is that the reason we need to be passionate about leaving no one behind with the people around us is because God has not left us behind. He hasn't left you behind. This is the foundation of a passion for wanting to leave no one else behind because God didn't leave us behind. Over your lifetime, people have disappointed you. Friends have abandoned you. Family members may have turned away from you. And those you thought you could trust may have left you behind. But God has never left you behind. He's never abandoned you. In fact, he reached out to you before you even reached out to him. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless and not even seeking him. Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely when he would die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. I know for me, I was lost. 
I was not pursuing God. That picture I showed at the beginning is, is funny in a way and sad in another way. I was lost, wandering, looking for meaning and purpose in life in all kinds of ways other than God. And yet little did I know that God was pursuing me. Now, of course, we are always responsible to respond to the pursuit of God. And if we don't respond, that's on us. But God is never pushing us out and pushing us down. He's always the initiator, welcoming us in and raising us up. And if you're in Christ today, if you are a follower of Jesus today, it is because God pursued you with his unfailing love and didn't leave you behind. And if you're still an investigator and on the fringes and trying to, 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 to consider making the decision to place your faith in Jesus and to become his follower, if you're still contemplating that, I want you to know that God is initiating a relationship with you. He is intentionally not leaving you behind. Romans 2, 4 says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He is so incredibly kind and welcoming. And as he calls us to him, he calls us to repent and believe. And then he changes us and raises us up. Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident of this, that, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. You can know that God will never leave you behind. And as he begins that good work, he will be faithful to complete it. And so I just want to ask you just to pause and just bow with me in prayer. As you consider this truth that God has not left you behind, and we'll talk further these next couple of weeks about what it looks like for us not to leave others behind, but I want you just to pause and just spend a few moments praying to God, thanking him for not leaving you behind, thanking him for being the initiator of a relationship with you, of always pursuing you. Even the times when you haven't responded, he's always been pursuing you. Just spend some time thanking him. And if you're here today and you're like, I don't know if... I've yet made that decision to respond. Today's the day. Today's the day you say, yes, I want to respond. I don't want to be left behind. And so I want to believe in Jesus today. And I want to become his follower. You can do that in your heart right now as we are praying together. And we have baptism today and we'll have those who've, who've already made the decision to respond to his love and to be baptized. Baptism is an outward sign of that which has happened inwardly because when we respond to his love by repentance and faith, he forgives us of all our sins, washes it all away, and baptism is a physical reminder and representation 
of that cleansing, spiritual cleansing. And if you're here today and you want to become a follower of Jesus today, you want to make that decision, we offer the opportunity back in this back room to my right to be baptized today. We'd love to baptize you today if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus. Or if you've already made that decision, but you've never been baptized. And you're like, today's the day. I need to take this step that God calls me to take. We have an opportunity for you to be baptized. So let's just bow in prayer and just allow the spirit to speak to us. And I'm going to ask Zach to come up and he's going to lead us during this time of response. And here in a few moments, there's going to be various ways to respond, one of which would be baptism and there'll be other ways as well. But let's just pause for a moment and allow God's spirit to speak to us.